Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Well, good morning again. Uh, welcome to Vertical Church. We're excited uh, that you're here today. Just like uh, Pastor Kelly said at the beginning, uh, if you're a first or second time guest, please make sure you fill out that uh, communication card. Uh, you find it in the cup holder right beside of you and uh, drop that off uh, at the VIP area on your way out. Uh, that'd be great. That'd be awesome today. And, and uh, yeah, it's really cool. Hey, uh, if you haven't been here in a couple weeks or if this is your first time, we're in the middle of a series called The Good Life, uh, where we've been talking about, you know, what is the good life? How do you have the good life? Everybody wants the good life, but nobody knows how to get to the good life. And so we've been talking uh, we've been opening up the Bible. We're saying, you know, what does Jesus say? Uh, what, what, is, what does the Bible say about the good life? And so I want to share with you kind of the thought that's really tied our entire uh, series together. It's, it's this. You're going to see it on the screen uh, behind me. The good life isn't something that happens to you, but in you and through you in your relationship with God. We did that week one. We said everything has to start here, that the good life isn't something out there somewhere that we're looking for, that it's, that it's meeting someone internally and, and in our relationship with God inside. And so what I want to do today is I just want to jump straight into uh, Scripture. Uh, a lot of times we'll do like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk for five or ten minutes just trying to, to introduce the topic, but today we're going to skip that. We're just going to jump straight in. If you have a Bible, open it up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it because the screen will have the, the scripture passages right on there. But also, if you have a uh, smartphone with you, if you have the Bible app, the YouVersion app, it's just called the Bible, um, you, can, you can follow along there. There's a little link inside your app called Live. If you click that, search for the word vertical. Not only can you take notes and read the scriptures and put prayer requests in, it's really cool, but this is how I read the Bible. Like in the morning when I get up and have my bowl of cereal, I read it from my phone uh, as I'm eating my bowl of cereal. I'm in a study of Acts right now, and so uh, I'm reading through uh, the, the book of Acts. And next week is Pentecost Sunday. I don't know if you know that. Not like very many people like all following the liturgical calendar, but next week is Pentecost Sunday. That's why I'm reading the book of Acts. It's really fun. All right, here we go. Second Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we're going to pick it up with verse 3. Uh, this is a letter. I'll just kind of give you a little bit of introductory comments. This is a letter written by a guy named Paul to a guy named Timothy. Now, in many ways, Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. Uh, he's not his, his biological son, but this is the guy who Paul has trained, who, who Paul has, has taken through leadership class, has, has endorsed to, to pastor and, 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 and shepherd people. And so, Paul is writing this, and you'll notice a very personal tone, uh, what, what Paul is saying to Timothy in this beginning part of this letter. Look at this, verse 3. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Apparently they've been... Uh, apart for some time. Uh, they haven't seen each other in a while, and Paul's just saying, Timothy, man, I look forward to seeing you soon. I hope to see you soon, because, because I remember when we separated, when we went our, you know, I had to go this way, and you had to go that way. I remember we were both crying, because we loved each other so much, because you're like my son. He goes on, verse 5, he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. Apparently, Timothy's got a good background. He's got 
He's got a good heritage. Verse 6, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, which is a really hard word to say out loud in front of people because it's got a lot of eyes in it. Anyway, but of power, love, and self-discipline, which is a great verse, but it's not the verse we're looking at today. Verse 8, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us. God called us to live a holy life. He did this, and check out what Paul says. He says, he did this not because we deserved it. Same thing goes for us. God saved us. God called us uh, to live for him not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we're really good people, not because of anything that we've done, but look what he says, but because that was his plan. Somebody touch the person beside of you and say, God's got a plan. If nobody's sitting beside of you, turn around and high five the person behind you and say, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Y'all aren't doing it. You're just looking at me. This is like we have to cooperate here. This is like a give and take, you know? I don't know what's going on. People moving behind me. Is it like... All right, anyway. Okay, let's go. Let's keep going. It was his plan. What was his plan? From the, before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. This was God's plan. Now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. And here's, here's the verse I want to land on today, uh, kind, of, kind of take stock of where we're at in our walk with Christ. Verse 12, that is why I am suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. And here's our, here, here, here's our phrase. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure, I am confident, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. In other words, Paul says, check this out, Timothy. I trust God. I know him and I trust him. And I am sure that he's in control of everything that's going on right now. God is in control is what Paul is telling Timothy, now let me, this is, let's try that whole crowd participation thing again. Turn to the person beside of you. Give them a high five and say, God is in control. There we go. I see people's hands moving. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel like you can hear me. It makes me feel like you're listening and paying attention, not looking at Facebook on your phone. All right. God is in control. God is in control. When you hear that statement, when somebody tells you that, when somebody says, hey, don't sweat it. Don't, don't worry. I know it's going right, tough right now, but God is in control. Does that comfort you? Is that reassuring? Does that, does that bring you some level of, of, uh, of peace? And I would say, you know, for me personally, it depends on who's the, one, who, who's the person is that's saying it. Let me give you an example. Okay, let's say, let's say you just lost your job, okay? You lost your job, and you can't find another one. You've been looking for weeks, months, maybe even a year now. You got laid off a year ago and you still haven't been able to find a job. And, and all of the Dave Ramsey money that you had saved up has now disappeared. And it's gone. And so you're struggling. 
You get into a place where you're struggling. You're struggling to put food on the table. You're struggling to keep the lights on. You're struggling to pay your mortgage or to pay your rent. And let's say one day you're, you're, you're sitting at your computer re, refreshing your resume. You get a knock on the door and it's your neighbor. It's this 18-year-old punk kid. <laughs> and he just comes over and he says, I want to tell you something. I was sitting in my house and, and I just felt like I needed to come over and tell you something. God is in control. You know what you might do if you were me? You know what I would do? I would look at him and say, shut up. What do you know? You are 18 years old. You've never lived outside of your mommy and daddy's house. They paid for the car that you're driving and the insurance and the gas. What do you know about life? Right? Like you might shut it. Like, shut up, dude. I'm going to stab you in the eye with a number two pencil. Get out of here. God is in control mess. But let's say same situation. Exact same situation. Lost your job, struggling. You don't know what's going on. You, no, nobody's giving you a call back. Nobody's returning your emails. Nothing. And you get a knock on the door. And except this time, it's not the 18-year-old punk kid. It's a 91-year-old grandmother who, who remembers the Great Depression. She was there in her house when the bank came and foreclosed and not only took all the furniture, but took the curtains off the walls. You know what I'm saying? And she lived a hard life and, and, and she was married and her, she and her husband had four kids, but her husband died prematurely. And so she was left to raise her four little babies all by herself. And she comes over and she grabs your hand and you can feel the calluses on her hand from years of just, of just hard work. And she looks at you and she says, I just wanted to come over and tell you something, son. God is in control. Probably makes a difference, doesn't it? makes a difference who's telling you that God is in control. You see, what I've learned in life is that truth is best realized on the other side of experience. There's a certain, kind of, there's a certain level of, 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 of naivete uh, before you live life. But once you've lived life, once you've gone through some stuff, then, then there's a certain truth that you don't quite realize beforehand. And so, and so this idea that, that, that God is in control, when Paul, says, when Paul says, Timothy, God is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. If you don't know Paul, that might sound flippant. If you don't know Paul, that might sound like the 18-year-old punk kid who's never had a hard day in his life. But the context of when Paul says this is really important. Paul wrote all kinds of, of letters in the New Testament. And here's the thing. He didn't write them all at once. Like he didn't just sit down one day in the middle of a missionary crusade and be like, hey, uh, I'm just going to write a bunch of letters and send them to everybody. No, he wrote them at, at different times in his life. You see, Paul was an actual guy who really lived. And he was kind of an entrepreneur of church growth. I mean, we know that Paul planted 14 churches just by himself. Like, he's responsible for 14. That's not even counting the churches that we don't know about. That's not counting the, like, like Paul plants Ephesus, but then Ephesus goes and plants a bunch of churches. That's not counting those. We just know that Paul moved around a bunch and at least 14 different churches he's responsibility for starting. We know that he trained Timothy, kind of his, his protege, we know that God did incredible things in Paul's life. Like, a couple, a couple things. You know, 
Paul, Paul, Paul saw God heal people just by laying his hands on them. In fact, one time the line got so long and there were so many people trying to get to Paul to get prayed for that, that they just stopped, like got out of line, went and got like uh, handkerchiefs and snot rags just to have Paul to lay hands on them and then take them to their sick friends. And they're just hoping, you know, whatever's on Paul, if it'll just get on my, my snot rag, maybe I'll get some healing. Check it, seriously, check it out. Another story. Paul was a long-winded preacher, like a lot of preachers. We go long sometimes. But, but can you imagine if, if, like, Paul was your pastor? Paul would preach to midnight. He did it one time. Seriously, he preached so long that this kid was in the third story of this, of this building, and the window was open, and he fell out. He, he fell asleep, and he fell out the window. Now, I don't know what that says. It's not really a strategy to grow your church when you're preaching and it's causing people to fall asleep, but, but whatever, you know. He preached so long that this kid fell asleep, fell out of the window, and died. And you know what Paul did? Paul just walks over, picks him up, raises the, get, the kid from, the, from death, and then goes back and finishes his sermon, right? Because we ain't going to stop. We got some stuff to say, and we're going to finish it. Bless God, will you die or not? We'll just raise you from the dead. Kid's name was Eutychus. Eutychus, too, if you fell out of a window. I thank you for that laughing. I worked on that all week. Anyway, anyway, you see, there are times, there are times in Paul's life where it would make sense for him to say, look, God's got this. God is able to entrust, or God's able to guard what we have entrusted to him. There, there, there are times when it would be, be good to talk about God is in control when you're healing people and raising people from the dead. That's a good time to say, man, God's, God's in control. But 2 Timothy wasn't written in a high point in Paul's life. No. 2 Timothy wasn't written when he's planting churches and, and healing sick and raising dead people. 2 Timothy, as you read it when I read it, was written when Paul was in prison, in a Roman prison. How, how do you have the audacity to say that God is able and can be trusted with your life when his plan for your life has landed you in jail? Because here, here's the thing. Paul's in prison not because he was a bad man, but because he preached the gospel. So God's plan for Paul's life has landed him in prison. See, this is where most of us question whether or not God is in control. Like, he's in control right now, here, in the middle of this, when life seems out of control, when I've landed in a prison. You see, it sounds good on the page, Pastor Josh, but I'm not living on the page. I feel like I'm living in prison right now. How can Paul say that God is able to guard what we have entrusted, that he's in control, landed in prison? Well, see, I think it would be good for us to kind of rewind Paul's life a bit. Maybe catch a, catch a glimpse at some things that Paul had to go through to understand how he lived his life, to, to see some of his experiences. You see... Before Paul found himself in, in prison in Rome, seven years before that, he was on a boat on the way to Rome as a prisoner headed to see Caesar. You see, as a Roman citizen, when Paul, when Paul was, was brought before the governors and the magistrates, he had the option, because he was a Roman citizen, to appeal his case to Caesar. And he did that. So now, seven years before he writes Timothy, he's on a boat on the way to see Caesar, transporting, uh, being transported to stand trial because he preached 
the gospel. He's on a ship under guard as a prisoner. Look what, look what happens. Acts chapter 27. Let's, let's pick up with verse 14. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. It's a terrible thing to feel like your life is being driven along when you're not the one at the steering wheel. You see, Paul, he can't control the direction of the ship. Paul is not at the helm just determining which way the ship goes. Isn't that how life feels sometimes? You're just on the boat and the wind's blowing you wherever the wind wants to take you and you have no control whatsoever of the direction that your life is going. Isn't that how it feels? Look, look, look what happens. Verse 16. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it up. Then they passed ropes under the ship to hold it, ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid we would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. You ever feel like your life is just barely holding together? Like you're doing everything in your strength. You're, you're taking, you ever feel like, like that's the analogy for life, that you've taken the ropes that you had available, you've thrown them around the ship, and you're just holding on for dear life? Because the storm is raging and you don't see any end in sight. You ever in a situation where you feel totally out of control? And you're just being driven along and the hurricane that is swirling around side your life is totally throwing you for a loop. You know, it's in those moments in our lives where it would be really convenient for God to come and swoop in and take control. In the middle of the storm when the winds are battering our ship, when the rain is unceasing, when the thunder and lightning and the wind will not stop. That would be a really convenient time for God to just swoop in and take control of the situation. And I've been thinking about that this week. And, and I think sometimes we don't, we don't want a God who's in control completely of our lives we're looking for a God who will take control temporarily when the storm comes. We don't, we don't want a God who's in control completely. You see, that's the central thing of what it means to be a follower of Christ, that, that every moment, every impulse, every decision is submitted to the control of God. But we don't want a God who's in control completely. We want a God who will swoop in and take control when the situation gets too much for us to handle. Or when, or when having some good God luck on our side might be advantageous for our situation. But surrendering our life completely and totally to God Himself, that's, I'm not sure that's what we're looking for. You see, how many of us have said something to the effect of, God, I want you to, con I want you to take control of my career. Or, I don't want you to be in control of my career, but I want you to take control of this promotion. You, you, you track them with me, you know what I'm saying? God, I don't want you to be in control of my finances, but I sure would like you to take control of them when I don't have any money and just make money rain down from the sky. God, I don't want you to be in control of my relationships, but I sure would like you to take control when my marriage starts to get rocky or I still haven't found the one that I'm looking for or I feel all alone and by myself. 
God, I don't want you to be in control of my family. God, I don't want you to be in control of how I parent, but I sure would like you to take control when my kids are acting rebellious and disobedient. You see, we don't want a God who's in control completely that we have to submit to and surrender to at all times. We want a God who will swoop in and take control when the storm's raging, when the winds are battering the ship, when life is getting hard. God, I know I've been neglecting you for the last three years, but would you take control and give me peace right now? See, we don't want a God who's in control completely. We want a God who will take control temporarily. Look, look what happens in Paul's life. Verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Things didn't get better for Paul. The storm continues to rage. On the third day, now they've been in this thing for three days, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. How long does it feel like you've been in that thing? You feel like that thing's been going on for weeks, months, maybe even years now, and life has just been swirling around you. Look what Paul says, or Luke says, Paul's story. The storm continued raging, and we finally gave up all hope of being saved. You see, what the enemy will do when he gets you into a storm, when he gets you into a, a, a situation where you lose all control, once you lose control, then he tries to take your hope. I feel like I have no hope that this is ever going to end. Where, where did Paul learn that God is able to guard what I have entrusted to him? Can I, can I make a suggestion to you? Paul did not learn that in a library reading a book somewhere. Paul did not learn that sitting in a class hearing examples of other people. You know where Paul learned that? Paul learned that on the open sea. When the storm is raging out of control. For Paul, God is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him is not a concept or a cute idea or a tweet or an Instagram quote. It is the, the, the very life substance. You can only get that realization on the open sea when the storm is raging in your life. You can only know that God is in control when your life is out of control. That's the only time you can know that. See, we spend our whole lives trying to be in control, trying to, trying to manipulate situations, and God's got to put us in some storms on the sea in a boat that's falling apart because it's easy to know that God is in control when I am in control, when everything's going good. When, I, when, when the, 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 the waters are calm and the sun is shining and the wind is blowing in the direction I want to go. You see, we think God proves how powerful He is by putting us in situations that are in our control. But that's not it at all. You see, we pray, God, do this thing the way that I really want you to do this thing. And God says, no. I've got to put you in a boat that's falling apart on a sea that's raging with hurricanes blowing around you. That way you won't trust in the boat. That way you won't trust in your navigational ability. 
That way you won't trust in your ingenuity or the ropes that's holding the boat together. When you're in the middle of a storm, you got to have something deeper than just, than just head knowledge to anchor you in your soul. You've got to have an experience that you, can, that you can fall back on that says, I know that I know that I know that He is able to guard that which I have entrusted to Him. I need a volunteer. I, I, I want to I I show you something. Uh, Johan, can you do me a favor? Can you come up here? It's Johan, everybody. Give Johan a hand. I can't believe I just did that. That's really weird. Uh, Johan, do you trust me? All right, turn around. <laughs> the wrong answer. Do, do you think, now I'm not a big guy, but you're not a big guy either, so uh, that's why I picked you. Um, do you think I am strong enough that, that I can hold you up if you fall backwards? You, you, you trust me, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, cool, you, you trust me. All right, lean back. Yeah, keep on coming, keep on coming, that's right. Yeah, there you go, see? See, it's one thing for Johan to say, yeah, I trust you up here. Yeah, I trust you. Yeah, I think you, I think you got the power to hold me up. But see, it's another thing for him to say, I trust you, and start leaning back. Now, don't, don't, don't fail at the trust fall, Johan. See, it's one thing, you see, it's one thing to say, to say, God, I trust you while I'm standing on my own two feet. But it's a whole other thing to lean back, to lean further back, and the storm keeps raging, and you're just leaning on God. See, this is a whole other level of trust. See, Scripture says, Scripture says this. Check, check this out. Check this out. Scripture says, uh, lean, lean not on your own understanding. Lean, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And he'll direct your paths. You see, it's real convenient to say, yeah, God is in control. God's got this. God can do this up here. Up here, up here, Johan doesn't know if I have the strength to hold him up or not. The only way Johan's ever going to find out if I can actually do what I said I can do is down here. Johan, I can't show you that I can hold you up until you lean. And so I've got to get you leaning back so that you can know that I've got you no matter what storm comes your way. I've got to get you trusting. I've got to, I've got to put you in a boat, Johan, and, and let the boat start falling apart. Let the hurricane start blowing so that you'll trust me when something else happens in your life. I've got to get you leaning back. You see, when you're standing on your own two feet, then take trust. God is in control God is good, but the power of God is not demonstrated in your life until you're leaning back, until you're trusting Him, when you're no longer in control, when you can't determine if you're going to fall or stand. That's how God's power is demonstrated in our lives. Thank you. Whew. Tired. You see, God says, I've got to send you into hurricane season i got to get you off your feet. i got to tilt you back so that, so that you're only trusting in me because the power of God meets us. Check this out. Let's go, back, let's go forward to our statement, God is in control. Maybe we need to change that statement. 
Maybe it's not that God is in control. Maybe it's that God is out of control. Now, I'm not saying like he's not in charge. He's in charge. He does what he wants. God, God does what he pleases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is God does not meet us in the places that we can control the situation. God loves to meet us in the places that are outside of our control. God takes Paul on a boat ride so the storm will start surging, so the waves will start beating against the boat, so that the boat will start falling apart out on the open sea, in the, in the prison cell, when I'm leaning, not on my understanding, but I'm leaning on the promises of God, not on the high point. God, doesn't, God, God isn't, doesn't specialize in meeting us when things are going great, when everything's good. God meets us in the boat, in the sea, in the hurricane force winds when we don't know if we're going to live or die. Because God is outside of our control. Hope, would you come in and start playing? Check this out. Acts chapter 27, verse 21. I've got, I've got one, more, one more thing to show you and then, and then I'm done and we're, we're going to sing a little bit more in just a second. Verse, 20, verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. In other words, Paul's got to get a little subtle jab in. Hey, you uh, told you so. <laughs> you should have listened to me. I tried to tell you not to do this, that it wasn't going to go good. You ever feel like that sometimes? You ever feel like the, the, the storm that's raging in your life is actually your fault? Like you're the one that caused this. And you know what happens sometimes when, when, we, when we find ourselves in those places that, 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 that we say, this is all my fault. God's not going to meet me here. God's not, God's not going to, to, to meet me in a situation, in a failure that's my fault. Listen, God loves to meet you there. God loves to, to, to meet you in the middle of your bad decisions, in the middle of your mess-ups, in the middle of your screw-ups. God loves to meet you right there. Because He always meets us in places that are outside of our control. Look what happens, verse 22. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Check this out. This is How does Paul know that God is able? Verse 23, Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. See, when you're in the middle of a storm, you don't need a sailing lesson. You don't need some good advice. What you need when life is raging around you is you need a personal encounter with the presence of the living God who will meet you when the wind's blowing, who will meet you when the thunder's crashing, who will meet you when lightning is flashing all around you and you don't know what's going on. You need a God who will show up in places that are outside of your control. Paul says, for I know in whom I trust. I know in whom I believe. I know because I've met him, because I was in the middle of a boat, in the middle of a storm, and he didn't neglect me. He came to me, and I'm all, I, I, might forget, I might forget things about him, and I don't know what he's doing all the time, but I will never forget who he is. He's the God who shows up in the middle of my storm. So here's our, here's our statement. Every week I've tried to give you this good life statement. 
here it is. Here, here's what we learned from Paul. The good life isn't about knowing that God is in control, but knowing the God who is in control. The good life isn't about knowing that God is powerful, but knowing the power of God. The good life isn't about knowing that God will take you through, but experiencing God taking you through the hardest storm you thought possible. Look what, look what happens. Verse 24, look what Paul says to the people on the boat. He says, do not be afraid. Or the angel says to Paul, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Would you stand with us this morning? Because I think some of us are going through some junk in our lives and we don't need uh, 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 somebody to just pontificate these ideas and thoughts about God. We need to turn our heart to God and experience the God who meets us in places that are outside of our control. You see, I don't need a God that I can figure out. I need a God who will meet crumbling around me. The, the song that, that, this, that this song comes from, it is well, written by a guy back in, back in the 1800s, I think. He sent his family across the Atlantic Ocean. And then a storm came up and the boat was wrecked and his wife is the only one that made it out. His four kids died. And so he takes a boat to meet her over in England and in the very spot where the bro boat broke apart, he looks into the open sea and all he can say is, God, it is well. It may be beyond my control. It may be beyond my understanding, but it's not beyond your capability and power. My boat may be blowing around me and the wind may be swirling and the, and, and the ropes that are holding my boat together may be about to break and the hurricane may be getting stronger as the day goes by. But God, I know that's exactly where you love to show your power and love to show your strength. That's where you love to meet us. Listen, as long as it was in your control, you would never pray. You would never seek God. You would never cry out to God. So what does God do? God's got to get you in the boat on the open sea so that he can get you in his presence. Because God meets us in those places that are beyond our control. That are beyond us. That are bigger than us. So what you need this morning you need you don't need another note you don't need you don't need another statement what you need is to throw your hands up and just say god it is well with my soul god i don't know what thank you so much for joining us today we always appreciate hearing how god is moving in your life we all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.